Suffreaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce Rabbit Hole Recap 218. Greenpeace can go fork themselves. Good rip. Friday rip, thank you for bearing with us, meeting us on Friday instead of Thursday, or whenever you're meeting us, if you're listening to this. Not exactly after we record. Um, High quality rip, dense rip. It was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital who just launched their trading desk. This is the best way to buy Bitcoin. You set up a two or three multi-sig vault and then you just buy Bitcoin that goes directly into the vault. You don't have to buy it on an exchange, hold it on that exchange and then move it over to a wallet that you control. You set up the wallet, you hold two of the two or three multi-sig quorum. So you always have control of your Bitcoin. You buy Bitcoin, it goes straight to your vault. You go straight to cold storage with a geographically dispersed security model. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's available in 31 states right now. They're working on getting it to 50 states. Uh, if you're not an Unchained customer yet, you want to check it out, go to unchained.com slash trading. Uh, again, it's, uh, I've used the product. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's the best way to buy Bitcoin right now. Um, you just buy straight to multi-sig cold storage. It's a beautiful thing. They're working on 50 states. They're at 31 now. So go check to see if your state is available. If you're uh, a Bitcoin or high net worth individual, a business looking to secure your Bitcoin. Uh, I, there's nobody I can recommend higher than Unchained Capital. Go to Unchained.com to check out everything they have going on. Unchained.com slash trading to check out the trading desk. This trip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains Pool is here. There's no more. Slush Pool. We had our vigil. Slush Pool had a run. It's now Brains Pool. But don't worry, nothing's changed. They got the same pool history. Uh, same, it's the same company, just a new name. You don't have to do anything. Uh, if you're were a member of Brains Pool, the only thing that's changed is the name. It's Brains Pool now. Uh, and Brains, not only do they have the pool, they have uh, an auto tuning firmware. It's going to help you idiot proof your mining operation. It's called Brains OS Plus firmware. If you have an ASIC that is compatible with Brains OS Plus and you're not using it, you're an idiot. Don't be an idiot. Nobody likes to be an idiot. Download the firmware. Stack more sats with your hash, elongate the the life cycle of your ASIC, and get to do more cool things from the data side of things. Go to brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com to check out everything they have going on. Again, they have Brains Pool, they have Brains Insights, which is a great dashboard with a bunch of information. They have Brains OS Plus firmware. They have their their blog as well, their book series. I'm going to show that since I wrote the forward. Uh, I'm holding it up backwards like an idiot. Uh, Bitcoin Mining Handbook. I wrote the foreword. Daniel Frum. Frumkin. Wrote the book. Brains.com. Check out all this stuff. This trip was also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a peer-to-peer lending platform. No KYC. No AML. Uh, what you do is you put your Bitcoin up as collateral in a two or three multi-sig escrow account. You hold one of those two or three key, one of those three keys. So you have visibility into the escrow account so they know that your sats are not being rehypothecated. In return for your Bitcoin collateral, you get stable coins that you can go spend as you see fits, as long as you're paying that loan back, plus the interest associated with it, you're going to get your stats back at the end of the day. Speaking of the interest associated with it, it's very low relative to other lending platforms right now. So if you're looking to take out a Bitcoin collateralized loan at a relatively low interest rate, go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Again, peer-to-peer, no KYC, no AML, lend.hodlhodl.com. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Upstream Data. Upstream Data is here to build you the mining tools that you need. They have their black box, which is for at-home miners. You buy the black box, you put miners in it, you shut the box, and it doesn't make 
It makes less sound than your air conditioner outside. Excuse me, I'm burping during the ad read. Excuse me. Um, Logan's laughing in the corner. The black box, uh, if you want to mine at home, reduces the sound, controls the heat, allows you to stack sats, no non-KYC AML sats in the comfort of your own, own home. Uh, if you want a black box, use the code FREAKS. You're going to get 5% off that black box. If you're looking for a bundle, you can get a black box and ASICs. Uh, Upstream will take care of that for you. Uh, beyond the at-home mining, they have industrial-scale mining equipment as well with their hash shots. I'm a hash shot owner. I have a 50-kilowatt hash shot and generator that Upstream built, and it's one of the highest-quality mining products that I've come into contact with since I've been mining Bitcoin. Uh, it's been running like a beast. The only time we have downtime is when we need to change the oil in the generator, and we only ever have to go down for like 45 minutes at the most. We, I don't think we've missed a block yet since we've had to change our oil in our upstream data generator. Uh, I have a 50 kilowatt hash shot, and they have a 180 kilowatt, a 900 kilowatt, and they're working on other sizes as well. Um, so whether or not you're a small stranded gas miner like myself or a larger utilities company or upstream uh, oil and gas operator, upstream data is here building the equipment that you need, getting you to the generators. And again, they'll get you the ASICs as well. Go to shop.upstreamdata.ca for the hash hut or excuse me, for the black box. If you want to uh, do a sales consultation for the hash huts, go to upstreamdata.ca. Tell them that TFTC sent you. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at CrowdHealth. They're trying to bring the sovereignty that, that Bitcoiners love to the healthcare industry. What you do is you sign up and you become a, uh, a CrowdHealth. Um, you become a CrowdHealth member. I'm a CrowdHealth member. My family is. You pay a monthly fee that goes to a dedicated bank account. Uh, that account builds up. And if you ever have a medical, uh, you, you have to go to the doctor for anything or get a procedure, what you do is you take the bill, you bring it to Crowd Health, you pay the fi first $500 of that bill. And then uh, the rest of the Crowd Health community helps you crowdsource that, that healthcare expense. Um, they've had 100% of their bills paid. Uh, the beauty of the Bitcoin community as well, go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC to join the Bitcoin community. A uh, portion of your monthly subscription fee goes into a bank account and the other another portion goes into uh, a bitcoin account uh, you're stacking sats alongside of cuck bucks in your your healthcare um, account and you have control of these accounts at the end of the day if you ever want to leave crowd health you can take your money back your cuck bucks and your sats it's a beautiful thing and then on top of that you have a personal health advocate who's going to be with you the same person throughout every step of your healthcare journey um, as the years go on and they're going to negotiate prices lower for you. That's one thing that the health insurance in industry does not do. They don't care about getting you the best deal. They just care about getting your money and jacking up the prices. So, uh, the whole grift of the pharma healthcare system can, can make as much money as possible and eke as much money out of you. Crowd health knows that you can negotiate prices and they do that on your behalf. So go to crowd health, excuse me, join crowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Um, to sign up for the Bitcoin community. The first thousand members of the Bitcoin community are going to get $99 a month for the first six months of their Crowd Health subscription. Enjoy this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap 218. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that 
In a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. We're living in a, a post-proof-of-work world, Matt. Some might say they never saw it, never thought it was actually going to happen. Hey, I, I was one of those people at one point. I think my uh, my thoughts on that changed in the last year. They seem very dedicated to go to proof of stake. Talking about Ethereum, it's, of course. It's uh, it's funny. Like I almost do. You feel like a sense of relief with it. Uh, yeah, I don't, the keeping up with that thread was was keeping me up at night. Always having to to figure out what was changing when the deadlines. It's done. It's over now. I'm just happy like we we finally can get past the three, theoretical bullshit and like we can actually have uh, we can just watch it happen in practice and and you know see see who was right and who was wrong and 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 see how it can handle an adversarial environment because for the last however fucking many years 6 years or 7 years we've basically just been those of us on the proof of work side have basically just been arguing against theoretical straw mans right like it was like you can it was like you can never pin them down in the argument because they're like oh well that's not how it's going to work in practice like it's going to be it's going to be different like well have you not read the updated white paper we have not read about like this mumbo jumbo that has happened yet so it's finally it's finally out and uh i'm 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 relieved and excited i'm i'm looking forward to this i am as well and we've got a lot of data just let's say 10 a.m we're 24 plus 7. We're 31 hours into this. A lot of data has come in. We'll get to it. We'll jump right into Clark's dashboard so we can talk about this. Uh, the current price of Bitcoin, according to Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard, is 19,672 cuck bucks. One cuck buck is going to get you 5,083 sats. And the current market cap of Bitcoin is 376.8 billion cuck bucks. We are currently at block height 754,330. 67. We've had a difficulty adjustment since the last time we met here on Rabbit Hole Recap last Thursday. Thank you, Freaks, for uh, bearing with us as we push this to Friday morning this week. Uh, the difficulty adjustment was an upwards adjustment of 3.4%. We are currently 1,633 blocks away from the next adjustment. That's looking to be a negative adjustment as of right now, negative 5.6%. Uh, Block's been coming in at 10 minutes and 35 seconds on average since the last retarget. There are 4,074 transactions in Clark's mempool. One sat per byte. Fees are getting through. So, Catan, make your transactions if you if you have any to make right now. There's currently 5,674.12 Bitcoin in unspent capacity on Samurai. That is 111.6 million cuck bucks in unspent value. <clears throat> And that's Clark's dashboard for this week. That's the, the snapshot of uh, the Bitcoin network as of right now. I just want to mention uh, I I downloaded iOS version 16. I'm, a, I'm an Apple cuck. Uh, really like the update. I'll say that. But when I uh, updated it as well, 
I don't I don't know how to use it still. Um, I I downloaded the uh, what is this called? I have no idea where you're going. I downloaded the app. It's really cool. It lets you put widgets on it. Uh, Blockwatch. Blockwatch. Yeah, Blockwatch. Really like that's been it. out for a while, right? It's it has. I freak. But I finally um, I finally downloaded it. Pulls our thought of the weeks from the standard every week. Pulls our thought of the week, but now I have widgets where I can see the block height, 754,367. See the new next difficulty adjustment. I have the difficulty period. And it lines up with Clark's dashboard. We get the price, sats per cuck buck. It's a great uh, great app, Blockwatch. You have like a bunch of different choices you can, mm-hmm. you can like customize it how you want to customize it, right? Yeah, yeah I'm really liking the product Where shop. Does- where do widgets show on iOS? Does it it shows on the lock screen or you can put it on the lock screen? Um, I put it on my far left screen. Um, oh, so you can just put it on the home screen too? Yes. Gotcha. Cool. Well, shout out to him. Uh, what is? Does you just search Blockwatch in the in the iOS Apple. store? Might be an Android too. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's iPhone only. I don't think I he has tried a bl- to download it once. I don't think he has a block watch for the Ethereum network. It would be interesting to get the stats there. Well, he'd have to have like an Infura subscription. He couldn't use his own node. Uh, so as we were mentioning, uh, this is a Bitcoin podcast, but this is interesting because uh, like Matt said, there's been a lot of theorizing about the transition from proof of work to proof of stake with Ethereum specifically for many years. And now there's uh, no more need to theorize. We can get actual real-time data because they have successfully merged uh, transition to Ethereum 2.0. And I guess that maybe that's where we can start. Like, is it officially, I mean, I guess the consensus mechanism is proof of stake, but it's not fully baked out yet. Like there's still more that needs to be done. Even, even, even the full, even the term merge is a propaganda term. I mean, it's a fork. Um, and I guess like merge is like the opposite of fork, but uh, they're saying it because they had a separate proof of stake chain that they like combined together to create this fork. Um, I mean, I think this is highly relevant to Bitcoiners and, and, and why is it highly relevant to Bitcoiners? Well, first of all, uh, if you're not holding any Ethereum, it's just great to watch all this shit unfold without any, you know, any, any, stress. any concern whatsoever. Um, I mean, you saw my long thread about how Bitcoiners can handle the Ethereum merge. Just stay humble and stack sats. But I think it's highly relevant because, you know, ultimately there's there's there are no other chains that even come close to the security that Bitcoin's proof of work provides. And I think um, in practice, what we'll see happen, and I expected the merge itself to be relatively uneventful because it's centralized. It's It's relatively easy to um you know make these things go through relatively painless without without worrying about decentralization um but the the what's going to be interesting is going to be like the next six to 18 months um and what i think happens is i think you see two sides of of this proof of stake transition one being censorship resistance and one being robustness uh, like the actual reliability of the network and the uptime of the network 
And I, I think it becomes a massive case study, a massive learning point where people kind of come back to realizing that distributed proof of work is a real innovation. Blockchain isn't the innovation. It's, it's distributed proof of work with the difficulty adjustment. And um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's why it's extremely relevant to Bitcoiners. And it should be interesting to see how quickly that becomes apparent because it might, it might not happen that quickly, but eventually it will become very apparent to people um, how how different the trade-off models are between something like Ethereum and something like Bitcoin. Yeah, well, maybe it is becoming a bit apparent already. Again, 31 hours in and something like 66% of the blocks that have been produced on Ethereum have been produced by seven of the top validators. Um, it's top even worse than that. I mean, if you go, what, it's like Lido and Coinbase. Lido, are, Coinbase, I believe Kraken and Binance are the top four. Um, yeah, I think going to like the seven entities is almost, you're almost giving them too much credit. More credit than you should get. Yeah, top four makes up at least 60%, I believe. So, I mean, like I literally have a thread from 2017 saying that the way these incentives are set up is going to, it's going to be the, the majority of validating on, on proof of stake chains is going to be through centralized regulated entities. Um, I don't understand how it's still a surprise for people. Um, but yeah, people will start to learn this this fact and it's going to have major censorship uh, implications. Yeah, there's already a lot of kvetching within the Ethereum community, people tweeting and raising their fists at the sky saying, how, how is this acceptable that we have 66% of uh, blocks that have been validated in the first day? Being seven validators, specifically calling out Lido, Coinbase, Binance, and Kraken. And so that's another thing. Like, is this merge done? Is it just like half-baked right now? Because a lot of people are like, unstake from these services and find smaller validators. But they literally can't unstake, even if they wanted to. They haven't even written the code to withdraw from staking validators yet. And the Ethereum development community is saying, yes, we'll have that functionality with some weirdly named upgrade six to 12 it's a months lobster from now. Trap. It's a lobster trap because if you don't stake, you get diluted. Um, so, so the percentage that you hold of Ethereum compared to the total supply is you're getting diluted constantly if you don't stake. But if you do stake, you're stuck in the fucking lobster trap. So it's like, do you want to go eat the bait or, or do you want to get diluted and slowly die? Um, so it's a really fucked up incentive uh, there is there is something to keep in mind with Lido specifically, where you know I don't pretend to fully understand it because I'm exhausted and I'm not going to spend the time to fully understand it. But I'm I'm humble enough to admit that there is like with Lido, there's they like put some kind of DeFi shit on top of it, and there's like different validators or something yeah, within it and there's DAOs and and liquid tokens that you can remove the tokens and you can trade the tokens and move your stake around or whatever so like lido shouldn't be treated as i guess a single entity um but yeah it's sort, sort of like liquids federation the way i would describe it to bitcoiners is i do not understand it i i, I will hand to god to have no, not really understand it at all yeah, it seems very Rube Goldberg machinist. But, but I think 
that's part of what's cool about this, right? Is because is, you know, Ethereum, not only did they do this, but they did this in the amid being in one of the strongest adversarial environments to date for Ethereum, which is tornado cash sanctions. Um, so I, I think it should be, I think we're going to learn more about what the trade-offs are of Lido as the shit tries to withstand an adversarial environment. And then, you know, we'll report back um, as, as we start to understand it more. Like you don't really, we won't really have to read the white paper or like understand the flow charts or anything. Um, we'll just see the repercussions firsthand. Yeah. Or lack thereof. Yeah. And there's been a bit of confusion too, because I tweeted out yesterday, at some point yesterday, there was something like 330,000 transactions in. Yeah, uh, what was with that? Well, so that's the thing. It's hard to tell because there's different block explorers for this and they're not, uh, they're not cross computing the same data. Um, I'm not sure how mempools work in Ethereum. Obviously, each node <laughs> in Bitcoin has its own mempool, but the, the Ethereum block explorers have different uh, transaction counts in, in their different mempools. One that I found, I think it was like ethereumexplorer.com or whatever. Um, again, yesterday it had like 330,000 transactions in the mempool and it was not clearing anywhere near that. And today it was around like 420,000. Uh, but like Etherscan has it around like 170,000. Uh, but like that's, again, going back to uh, the distributed nature of these protocols and, and the ideals that one should strive for. And I was tweeting out yesterday, I was like, can a .eth please go into their own node and share <laughs> the information uh, of their mempool? Is it What does it look like compared to these different block, block explorers and nobody could? Yeah, I mean, one thing I know that is different with how mempools work in Ethereum is is you can actually pay a fee in Ethereum and then not have your transaction confirmed and you still lose the fee. Yes. Yeah, that's... Um... Like, that doesn't happen in Bitcoin. You only pay the fee if it confirms. Yeah. Um, so who knows? We'll see how this plays out. Congratulations to the Ethereum devs. Uh, feat of feat of ingenuity merging no, on the go don't give him that well that's the i mean and this rolls into there was a lot of people tweeting that out i are you fucking kidding me i mean it's what it's been like six years there are other proof of stake chains i know centralized and not censorship resistant like this is not <laughs> no this is excuse me this is um that was like oh i gotta sneeze again <laughs> The only congratulations that should go to Ethereum users and devs should be congratulations. You just played yourself. Yes. Like literally the only, I, I was like, when I said there's a bit of relief, I was like a little bit concerned that with the tornado cash sanctions, when it happened, they were just going to call the whole fucking thing off. So I'm, I'm just glad they did not Yeah. Congratulations. You played yourself and I had another congratulations. I wanted to throw out there. Oh yeah. Congratulations on the extremely um, well-executed propaganda campaign because everybody's like, oh, proof of stakes like the new innovation. It's like it's been around for a decade. Change the code, Marty. Change <laughs> yeah. the code. Well, that rolls into the second topic, which is uh, Greenpeace and um, their million-dollar campaign to to get Bitcoin to... Paid to, for by Chris Ripple. Yes, Chris Larson, that loser. Um they want us to change the code to get a proof of stake. They're using Ethereum's merge as a 
precedent that shows that that these blockchains can transition from proof of work to proof of stake and due to the fact that uh, I think Greenpeace is saying that the the merge has reduced uh, Ethereum's energy consumption by 99.95%, which in and of itself is a lie. Uh, if you went and read Paul Stork's POS versus POW uh, and, and the cost of both, proof of stake uses the same amount of energy. It's just not in the validation. It's in the acquisition of the capital needed to um, stake in the first place. And so with Greenpeace, Greenpeace in this tweet that Logan has up on the screen, if they wanted to be uh, factual, they would have said it, they reduced their electricity consumption uh, on the validation side by 99.95%. But this is me um, splitting hairs here. But with this transition and since overnight, that was uh, one of the funny tweets I saw yesterday. It's uh, <laughs> the uh, the Ethereum community just just uh, ruined the businesses of millions of, of ETH miners around the world in, in the snap of a finger in the middle of a recession. Very, very poor form to just throw people out to the street. Well, all those ETH miners, are they've switched to other chains, so they're still using as much energy as they were before. Um, that was another tweet I had from 2017 or 2018 where I was like, if Ethereum does move to proof of stake, there'll be three Ethereum chains, Ethereum proof of work, Ethereum classic, and Ethereum proof of stake. And that's where we're currently sitting right now. I think there's actually a fourth one that's called Ethereum Fair because the Ethereum proof of work team is up to some funny business, I believe. Um, but in this case with the Greenpeace shit, like, first of all, I, I thought Carr was running this. Shout out to you, Logan. I appreciate you until you just mentioned it. Uh, but Logan, if you keep scrolling down, um, I ratioed them. Yeah, there's my comment. Uh, <laughs> Get the anyone, ratio in there. Pull that up. Anyone, Click on that tweet. Any, anyone can fork Bitcoin. You can fork it without permission. You do not need a million dollar marketing campaign to fork Bitcoin. So what I would like to see is for them to fork Bitcoin with proof of stake. Everyone that holds Bitcoin right now will get equivalent amount of proof of stake tokens. Um, and they can spend their million dollar marketing budget trying to pump that price. And uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens on the market. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I I'm 100 sure that that fork will go to zero. So I am as well. And well, but I would love to see that. Just like I love to see Ethereum switch to proof of stake, I would absolutely love to see the scam that is Greenpeace fork fork Bitcoin and and create a proof of stake version. Yeah. Well, I mean, this brings up. A good point. The green pieces of the world, the Chris Larsons of the world, and even the Ethereum's of the world are going to begin attacking Bitcoin's proof of work since Ethereum ditched proof of work for proof of stake. Lynn Alden tweeted this out yesterday. Now, today, as it stands, Bitcoin has 94% uh, of the hash power in all proof of work chains. So it's extremely dominant. It is sitting out there. And, and that it's actually... A lot of people are trying to spin this merge as something that's extremely bullish for Ethereum, but I think it's extremely bullish for Bitcoin because it sets it uh, in a path of its own, running without any competition uh, in the proof-of-work world, which is 
extremely bullish. And I tweeted this out literally a year ago when all the um, when all the like, uh, propaganda around transit. I think this is when like the change the code campaign started. Um, and people were really hopping on that. Ethereum was like, yeah, we're changing our code. We're going to get a proof of stake. Don't worry. We'll be good. But um, the Bitcoin network is ditching the crypto markets for the energy markets. And there's nothing more <laughs> bullish than this. The convergence of uh, the energy sector and the Bitcoin mining industry is something that Bitcoiners should be extremely excited about, extremely proud about, and... Um, humanity should be excited too because as we've mentioned time and time again throughout the years on this show bitcoin mining makes energy production extremely more efficient because bitcoin miners using the lowest cost electricity possible which is produced by the lowest cost energy possible which is provided by uh, typically stranded and wasted energy sources um, allows us to be extremely energy efficient so um, the bitcoin stands in a in an arena of its own right now in the proof of work world and i think it's extremely there's just so many uh, poetically incredible themes with the particular timing of the merge um and the green pieces of the world coming out and trying to lambast bitcoin for using proof of work i mean as we're we're seeing sure. right now in Europe and even here in the United States, the energy crisis is getting to a, a very critical point. And the importance of energy is becoming glaringly obvious. The insanity of the ESG movement is becoming glaringly obvious. And so the timing of this transition and trying to poo-poo proof of work, I think it's just terrible timing because the world's actually learning. Eh, we actually probably need more energy. And if we have this mechanism that can make us more energy efficient and can appease the people who don't like pollution or waste then we yeah. should probably hitch our wagon to that no i mean i th i think i think this is significantly more bullish for bitcoin uh than it is for ethereum i think this might be the single most bullish thing we've seen bullish event we've seen for bitcoin um since the Chinese hash rate uh, Chinese ban of mining and the hash rate fell and then recovered um the you know shit corners will accuse us of just repeating our biases and and cope but i will go back once the again cope, to the cope tweets the cope i will go guys. back go i will yourselves. go back to an old tweet uh from september 2018 where i said bitcoin's massive lead in chain security increases every time a major altcoin forks out asics decreases block reward unexpectedly increases minor operating costs or moves to pr proof of stake don't even have to do any of the above just just considering it reduces minor investment so this is something we've been extremely consistent on for for many many years um so if you want to accuse us of cope so be it but uh right now you know bitcoin hash rates at an all-time high uh and the closest thing that people considered a competitor has completely left the building, um, even though I didn't think it was a competitor to begin with, but they've just completely bowed out. So here we are. Yeah. And back to Greenpeace. If you freaks have, ha haven't listened to it yet, I actually interviewed the original founder of Greenpeace, Patrick Moore, a couple years ago. And the 
topic of that interview was why he decided to leave Greenpeace, which is that it was overtaken by a bunch of Marxist, uh, extremist Marxists who uh, didn't really care about the environment or cleaning up uh, the energy sector. All they cared about was uh, this Malthusian view that humans are bad and we need to consume less energy. All they care um, about. And nothing highlights this more than Greenpeace has been one of the biggest advocates for anti the anti-nuclear movement. Um, they are a main driver behind the smear campaigns against nuclear. Nuclear. Everybody gets mad with the way I pronounce nuclear. I'm just going to... Nuclear. Am I doing it right? I don't know. But... Um, you usually pronounce it wrong, but then you fuck with me when I just hear you say it over and over again. Yeah. Um, however... Uh, yeah, Greenpeace was the the biggest driver of nuclear decommissioning around the world for, for the last many decades. And so they want to position themselves as, as people who care about the earth and care about humanity. But they've actually been one of the most destructive forces on the planet in terms of destroying the quality of life of humans all over the world. And they, they campaigned in Germany to spin down their nuclear power plants and they're currently in one of the worst energy crises that we've seen in our modern times. And many people are going to die this winter because of the actions of Greenpeace and the, the German government to actively spin down their reliable nuclear energy facilities. So um, anybody in the mainstream who is uh, riding the Greenpeace train and, and, advocating for them is uh, actively anti-human and should be ridiculed laughed out of the room and not only that uh, they should be not only ridiculed but you should have disdain for these people because they are not good people they do not care about you they not care about humans they are actively making the world uh, a worse place so Greenpeace can go fuck themselves and go fork off if they want to um, please fork Change Please the code. It's open source, um, Greenpeace. You can change the code yourself. Go to GitHub. I want to add, add something else. Uh, there's a shitcoin called Bitcoin POS um, that people have been posting screenshots of because they don't verify anything themselves. Um, that is just a straight shitcoin. That's not a shit fork. Uh, it's not a fork of Bitcoin. Um, and why is that relevant? That's relevant because you know current Bitcoin holders do not get equivalent amount of tokens that they can that they can dump on uh, idiots um so we haven't seen it we haven't seen a real proof of stake fork of bitcoin yet i think we will in the future i think we'll also see one that adds a tail emission um and i'm looking forward to both i'm uh, as well we well and there and there and there's also another um another branch that people will try to push which is the decred model of combining proof of work and proof of stake and actually when i was over in riga spent a lot of time with eric voscule and we actually wandered into that topic of like decred and these these dual consensus mechanisms using proof of work and proof of stake and he made a very convincing argument that even those systems uh, will not be more secure than just pure distributed proof of work with a difficulty adjustment because proof of stake uh, will dominate that consensus mechanism and proof of stake as we know is dominated by those who control the history which is those with the well, stake in the network so i mean you brought it up 
Uh, Decred has been an interesting case study because so Decred is, as you said, was half half proof of stake, half proof of work. The proof is uh, the stakeholders get to vote on governance changes and you know forks to the network and updates to the network. Um, and as as many of us have theorized in the past, what happened was um, they reduced they reduced miners' rewards to less than ten percent of what they were previously. Um, so I don't, I don't really think you can have a combination situation without the stakers basically dominating the system because if they have governance ability, um, they're gonna they're gonna think about their short term interests and they're gonna they're gonna fuck over miners and if you fuck over miners, then all of a sudden no one's gonna put any kind of real investment into securing your chain and and the end result is almost a pure proof of stake chain. Um, but I could see, I could see after Ethereum proves that proof of stake is inferior, there's a new narrative. I do agree that we might hit a, a period of a narrative where, oh, maybe we'll combine the two together. Um, there was that separate research report too. I think they called it Pikachu, where like basically an Ethereum type proof of stake chain uh, puts checkpoints into Bitcoin's proof of work chain, um, which could kind of be looked at as like a hybrid model. Uh, the other thing is, I wonder if we'll see, uh, like the other, the other model. So we said what tail emission, let them fork, uh, proof of stake, let them fork, maybe proof of work, proof of stake combo after proof of stake fails. But I just still don't really see that, uh, just because Decred has just shown that it's, that's not a real model. Um, and then the other one is what Monero's doing, which is still proof of work, but they they don't want ASICs on their network. Yeah, so um, they fork the algorithm like every six months or something like that. But they haven't recently, actually. Like I've I've been waiting for it to happen again, but since they implemented RandomX, they haven't had to they haven't had to change the algorithm again. RandomX has has held up. In theory, I think it's impossible to have a have an ASIC resistant algorithm. Uh, because eventually someone will make purpose-built machines that outperform general purpose machines. Um, but to be fair, it hasn't happened yet with RandomX after a few years. Uh, but I could see that being a narrative. I could see that being a, a fork of Bitcoin too. Um, some kind of algo change that, that claims that it gets, gets rid of ASIC centralization. Because what we're going to see probably is, and we talked about this last year, we're probably going to see the large, the large, you know, warehouse miners get get even more cucked than they already are. And in that kind of situation, I could see like a narrative building for, you know, some kind of ASIC resistant fork. I just don't. I mean, I don't think it'll be successful. I, th I think chains should prioritize getting as many, making it as easy as possible for people to build ASICs and getting over that hump, which Bitcoin did. Um, where you know ASIC distribution is is very centralized in the beginning. Um, so fortunately, we got got over that hump while we got over that hump while everyone was in their honeymoon period and we weren't really in an adversarial environment. And everyone else seems to have missed their opportunity for that. Uh, there is there is there is pretty much no other chain that has a developed ASIC market for it. Um, and actually just to go back, like Decred was one of the few that did, and now it doesn't anymore because <laughs> they all got rugged. So why would Bitmain or, 
what's mine or put in any kind of investment into into ASIC research over there. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Again, uh, just walking through all these scenarios, I'm getting more bullish than ever on the prospects of, of Bitcoin dominating. And I had something I wanted to bring up. What was uh Oh, yeah. Uh, Logan, I put a tweet in our group chat. I wanted to pull that up because this was going around Twitter yesterday, Vitalik essentially philosophizing about what moving to, to proof of stake and disconnecting their consensus mechanism from meat space because they're not using energy anymore and uh, what what they think they can do now. And it's just, it just highlights how disconnected from reality these people are. They want, they want to create these fantasy lands. Um, Slogan, if you could pull that up and play the, uh, the clip. Put it in our TFTC group chat on on Telegram. Yeah, there it is. But yeah, I mean, it's just people. People don't think people think that you can create these virtual worlds and disregard the laws of physics. That's yeah, so hilarious. start start from the beginning and. Uh, oh, you can't make it big. If you make it big, it fails. We can still hear it. I can't hear it. I can. If hear I can. I assume the freaks can't hear it. I'm some te- technical difficulties on this side, but again, the. All right, try it now. I can't hear it. Try and turn it up on your computer, Logan. I'm kind of grateful I can't hear it. I already listened to it once, but I assume the freaks can't hear it. I can hear it. Um, basically, yeah, the saying, they can't hear it. Uh, so I think like to summarize that uh, one of the ways that I think about this in a more philosophical way is like proof of work is uh, based on the laws of physics, and so you sort of have to work with the world as it is, right? You have to work with you know electricity as it is, hardware as it is, what computers are um, as it is. Whereas because proof of stake is virtualized in this way, it's basically letting us create a simulated universe that has its own laws of physics. And that just gives the us as protocol developers a lot more freedom to optimize the system around actually having all of the uh, different uh, security properties that we want, right? And, you know, if we want it, the, the system to have a particular security guarantee, and then like often there is a way to modify the uh, proof of stake mechanism to also achieve it. So it's just, uh, you know, much more flexible and it shows through in the uh, efficiency and the, the uh, security of the network. And I think what a brilliant uh, fucking cell phone. Brilliant what? Self own. Right? Well, that's, well, this is where, again, we, he's on a philosophical tip. We can get on one here as well, building what he's describing. And this is where I think like the big disconnection between what the Ethereum users and developer community thinks that the innovation that Bitcoin brought to the world is meant to be. Like Bitcoin, Satoshi said it in the white paper, central banks can't be trusted to maintain the currency. Um, They'll always debase it over time. So I'm creating Bitcoin as a reaction to that to make sure that we get a currency, uh, a monetary system that can't be corrupted like central banking systems have been throughout history and yes bitcoin is digital it does have this connection to the the physical world via the electricity consumption to produce hashes to produce blocks 
but it, it, it is a digital cash system. But I think a lot of, and Vitalik just explained it beautifully, like he doesn't want to deal in the reality that we live in here in meat space. He wants to go create virtual realities and virtual physics in the Ethereum world. But I, I think what these people are really missing is that Bitcoin, yes, it's digital, but it was created so that we could coordinate economic activity here in the physical world that is still very much connected to the laws of physics and uh, how things actually work. Uh, it, Bitcoin really was, great Bitcoin shell is what it was. Right? I, uh, yeah. I mean, there's just this massive disconnect here. Um, there's a massive disconnect here and it'll become more obvious to people as time goes on now that they've actually moved to proof of stake. And I look forward to that and we will be covering it as that all unfolds here on rabbit hole recap. Um, but just to, just to put a pin on, on our conversation right before we played that ridiculous video, um, like right now, basically, there's only really two main proof of work chains the way I look at it. And that's Bitcoin with ASICs that completely dominates the only real ASIC chain that exists. Um, and then there's Monero uh, with their ASIC resistance, what, you know, that is like basically botnets are, are mining it, uh, people's computers, and they don't know that it's running because they have malware on them. Um, that's actually... But there's pretty much nothing else, right? Like if you think about proof of work, it's like Zcash wants to move to proof of stake and they have like their, they're centralized as fuck. Um, I guess you have like Ethereum classic if you want to put that in the conversation, but it's really just Bitcoin. Yeah. Pretty crazy. I mean, the disconnect is insane. I mean, Lynn's, Lynn's tweet again, really acutely highlighted how, um, how how dominant Bitcoin is, 94% of all proof of work. I thought it was really funny because I retweeted that tweet from September 2018 uh, about how, you know, Bitcoin, I'm more bullish on Bitcoin every time altcoins make a false step uh, against miners. Um, and someone commented underneath, they're like, what do you just parrot everything Lynn Alden says? It's like, this this tweet came out four years before she entered the space. Like, what the <laughs> The uh, well, your your mentioning of the this is a bit of a tangent, but your mentioning of the Monero botnets and the malware reminded me, freaks. I have started writing the next montage. It's not going to drop until after we hit 100k. Um, we're going to drop the laser eyes and drop the montage at the same time. And I started writing it uh, about a year ago, and it just reminded me of the opening scene I have for the montage. And I'll just read that just to give you guys like a little uh. A little tidbit. We find ourselves in San Francisco. The camera zooms into a window of a beautiful home in Knob Hill, where we discover a senior from St. Ignatius Prep is attempting to download some raunchy anime from Pirate Bay. His computer CPU is humming and hotter than it's ever been, slowing down its torrent dr dramatically. Frustrated, he slams his laptop shut. Uh, the camera zooms out and quickly pans over to Menlo Park, where a junior analyst from Colsa Ventures is laughing to another analyst about the fact that Pirate Bay is running software on users' computer to mine Monero without them knowing. The price of Bitcoin is hovering around $4,800. Um, I'm sorry the for Pirate the tangent. Bay, was the Pirate Bay ever running a Monero miner? I don't think so. 
Well, they were da- downloading malware on their users' computers and mining Monero through them. But not the Pirate Bay. It was like no, I think it was the Pirate Bay. Whatever. I think it was the Pirate Bay. Like the actual operators of the Pirate Bay were doing it. Yeah, or somebody. I don't think so. Somebody seeding. I, I, I won't let you. I won't let you slander the good people that run the Pirate Bay on on this here podcast. Pirate Bay Monero mining. The pirate the the Pirate Bay operators. The Pirate Bay uh, uses miner to generate Monero digital currency. The was Pirate it Bay. Opt-in? No, it was it was malware. What are you reading that on? Trendmicro.com. This is from this is from 2017. The Pirate Bay, perhaps the most popular torrent hosting website, is often used to download software and media, many of which are illegally uploaded. However, users might have gotten more than they bargained for as the website was discovered to be using the computers of its visitors to generate coins for the Monero digital currency as a means of additional income. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, so you have a the montage opens with some horny high schooler in San Francisco trying to download some anime porn, and uh, he can't do it because the Pirate Bay is using his computer to mine Monero. Carlos does make a point that there were a bunch of Pirate Bay forks, but I assume this was the piratebay.org, the main one. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, I don't remember when that happened. Hopefully they were disclosing it to people. Yeah. That was... uh, if they were disclosing it to people and it was only when the browser window was open, I mean, maybe I'm just coping. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Cause like I've used, I've, I mean, I've never used a pirate bay, but if I did, I've been using it for years for free. Uh, so if they want to get a little bit of compute while I'm on their website, as long as it's disclosed, I'm fine with that. Hey, securing Monero via the pirate bay. But uh, that, that is an int- while we're on that tangent, it is interesting because so, so, so why is that a thing? That's a thing because the way, um, Monero's mining algorithm works. Uh, random X, it's designed to prioritize CPUs over both GPUs or ASICs. Um, and so we have CPUs and computers, uh, all computers and phones and everything all have CPUs in them that can, can be used to mine Monero. So you have these malware operations where they, they hijack computers and servers and they mine Monero with it. So as a result, um, the, the net profit for mining Monero is always negative because they're not consuming the energy. It's different than with Bitcoin where Bitcoin, it like kind of trends to zero. Like it's very competitive. It goes as close to zero as possible as everyone undercuts each other. Um, but most people will not mine Bitcoin for negative. Some people will for a little bit negative to get KYC free coin. Um, but most will not mine at a negative, but in Monero, that's not the case. In, in Monero, the majority of hash rate is presumably mining at a negative. That's interesting. It doesn't yeah. seem economically viable in the long term. Well, you know, the botnets are fine with it. The botnets. Um, all right, next topic we have. Hoddleknot's case started earlier this week. Our girl Mills has been out there in Oslo covering the case for Bitcoin Magazine. I mean, I've been out there too who i don't know some guy who's been tweeting it out so the, what i linked here is is joe rogers list and it has five different people in it that have been um live tweeting it mills is actually doing like the video updates which are are pretty cool 
to actually watch it all unfold. It's it seems like the case is going quite well for Hoddlenot and pretty fucking bad for CSW. Uh, so love to see that. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I've been just loosely following it via Twitter and seeing Mills's uh, post trial coverage, and yeah, it, it seems like. Craig Wright has a lot of egg on his face. It seems like the judge actually understands a lot of this shit, uh, which is also good to see. Yeah. I think this is the first time we've ever seen footage inside a courtroom for one of his cases. Yeah. Certainly is. And, I mean, I mean, every time this guy comes up, I just get very frustrated like why the fuck do we have to keep talking about this guy he's a fraud well you know there was a lot of people in this space that provided cover for him uh that never recanted i mean a gavin fucking anderson uh with the bullshit signing ceremony that where he said he was satoshi uh has has still to this day never recanted and you know craig's team brought that up in brought that up in court and like come on dude like have some fucking balls, have some integrity, come out and say, I was fucking wrong. I was duped. Yeah. Um, I mean, but there was also a lot of influencers that provided him cover. I mean, I posted a video from I think 2018 that I had archived. That was like Roger Ver saying we're all Craig, Wright." That's what people forget. It's like anyone who was pro B cash was pro Craig, Wright For about six months before he rugged them and turned on them and made BSV, which was a fork of B cash. Um, if you're new to this space, you might not even realize that's what happened. But during the fork wars, you know, maybe 20 to 30 percent of of like the influencer community in Bitcoin was pro Bcash. Uh, and all those people were implicitly endorsing Craig Wright as Satoshi at the time because it was helping to pump their bags before he turned around and knifed them in the back and made BSV. Sorry, Paul. Um, yeah, there's. Many people provide cover for him. Yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, we don't know. Can't prove a negative. It could be him. But it's like, come on, people. Let's use... Uh, does anybody have high emotional intelligence uh, and the ability to look at somebody and realize that they're batshit crazy and a massive grifter? I mean, he was claiming to have, what, like hundreds of degrees? Yeah, I mean, forget all that shit. I mean, literally, whoever Satoshi was invented a system where without trust, you could prove that you owned a certain amount of wealth to the whole world without putting those coins at risk. It's called signing a message. You, you take the private key and you sign a message that cryptographically is cryptographically verifiable that you have control over those keys. Now... That That is one of the key innovations of Bitcoin that Satoshi created. And to this day, like once it went like a couple weeks of like all this publicity bullshit of CSW pretending he was Satoshi, once it went a couple of weeks without a signed message of early keys, anyone with fucking a half, you know, a half percent of intelligence could determine that he was full of shit. Um, and, and it's important to mention here that just signing with early keys doesn't necessarily prove that you're Satoshi because there were other early people, but it should be the bare minimum expectation. I mean, we've already had an example where he handed a list of addresses that he claimed to have owned to one of the courts and 
some dude went through the addresses, notices that he actually possessed it and signed it like, I'm not Craig Wright. <laughs> that was another funny thing. I think he tried to claim like a boating accident and it wasn't even a boating accident. He, I think he told the judge in Oslo that he smashed the, uh, the hard drive with his private keys on it with his foot to destroy it. Yeah, he said he, he doesn't want to sign a message because he wants to prove that Bitcoin is easy, easy to be seized. So courts should just do it for him. All right, go do it. Like what, what? What's the logic there? Is it just plausible deniability or? No, he's a fucking pathological liar. Like there, there, there's, there's, you can't look for logical consistencies. There is none. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what Jevy points out in the comments. Like, why is it excusable for CSW to consistently lie under oath and not be held accountable for it? That, that's another like. Does perjury not exist in these countries that he's been? Well, it's basically just been the UK. This is the first time it's a non-UK. Oh, I guess we wasn't there some in Florida. Yeah, except he lost that case. Uh, so in that situation, Kleinman uh, Kleinman's estate, uh, so his family members sued Craig, saying, "If you are Satoshi." then Kleinman worked with you and you owe him partial part of the money. Um, so Craig just like leaned into that and it was like, I am Satoshi. So, and then the judge was like, okay, so you have to pay Kleinman this money. Um, and obviously he never paid him, never paid his family that money because he doesn't have that money. Um, but that, that court case was never trying to, it was like the exact opposite. It was like Kleinman, it was Kleinman versus Craig and Kleinman's family didn't want him to prove that he wasn't Satoshi. They wanted him to admit he was Satoshi in court so they could have a claim on some of the Satoshi coin. Yeah. And, and then was McCormick was in UK and then this one's in Norway preempting a, another UK case because CSW sued, uh, CSW sued Hobblenot in the UK and then Hodlnot countersued him in Norway to preempt the UK case because he thinks the Norway jurisdiction is um, more beneficial to him. And there's there's some level of reciprocity where like the Norway case, how that gets settled is going to have a big effect on the UK case. That's my basic understanding. Yeah. Uh, and like even you can even see it in like how things are covered. So like Bitcoin magazine is there filming and covering it. And then my understanding is the only other quote unquote publication or journalism is CoinGeek, which is completely owned by Calvin Air and BSV. Um, and they're there. And what is CoinGeek doing? Every time they can, they're doxing Hodlnot on his family. They call him by his legal name. They post pictures of him. Like their coverage is harassment in itself. And it just shows the the lack of integrity on that side. And it's just fucking painful to watch. Yeah. These people. I mean, yeah. What's that Kirk guy name? Whatever. He can go fuck himself. Yeah. And I just hope he has a big bag of BSV. So he just losing <laughs> a shit ton of money. Yeah. Something else I was going to mention. It slipped my mind. What was it? I forget. But um, yeah, the, the perjury. I think is is there no such thing as perjury? 
it is odd, but I will say as someone who has very little faith in our existing systems, I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's true. Well, shout out to Hoddlenot for fighting the good fight. Hopefully. And to his family, man. His family is enduring a ton of financial and mental pressure. So, Shout out to anybody who donated to the uh, to the Defending B- BTC campaign. Oh, that's remember. Now I remember what I was bringing up. And this is even more terrible. It was discussed last night at BitDevs. Like, we're seeing a lot of Bitcoin core devs walk away. Um, and a lot of the developers in the space who are well connected with these developers are saying like, yeah, like they're, they're worried they're going to get a, a lawsuit lobbied at them and they don't have the money or the, the mental, they don't want to go through the mental anguish that comes with these lawsuits. And so it is affecting, you know, so some people are making the argument that it is affecting um, contributions to Bitcoin core. No, well. it definitely is. And I mean, uh, Dorsey and a couple others have a fund that's specifically for developers. Um, I'm hoping some of them, my under, I'm hoping some of them are basically coming back as NIMS, but we are losing real developers that are not coming back as NIMS because they don't want, they're like, they just don't want the pressure. And, and it's very much a thankless job. Like, um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's important for us all to constantly um, show them true appreciation because you know they 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 dedicate a ton of time and a huge portion of their lives to this, um, and we we really would not be here without them. Um, so we have a question from FTB in the comments asking, "Do we know what the best case outcome is? Is a win going to stop Craig, make Hoddle not super rich?" Just curious. Um, so we're hoping that a win will finally. Um, really, like, really hurt CSW and uh, the rest of his supporters, um, both financially and just uh, in terms of precedent. And we, we have all this footage now of the court cases. He's constantly lying under oath. Uh, this will be used again in the future, presumably, if he if he tries more court cases. Um, there is zero situation where Hadamot Lee is this rich for what it's worth. There's been some accusations, particularly out of the BSV camp, but also within the Bitcoin camp, that this is like a get rich uh, scheme for Hadamnot on the donation side. Like Hadamnot was very insistent not to hold on to any of the donations that are raised for the OpenSats legal fund. That is held by OpenSats. And that is paying directly as paying legal fees whenever they come up. And it's also not just for Hadamnot. Other other contributors to Bitcoin that are that are that are facing legal challenges can apply for grants from that legal fund. So if there's any excess or whatever, like that does not go to Hoddlenot. No money is going directly to Hoddlenot. It's all going to his legal fees. And then the other thing is like part of the reason that was necessary is because even if he wins and gets awarded legal fees, uh, Calvin, who's backs CSW, is the money man behind CSW is like a master at like corporate shell game stuff. So uh, like CSW is essentially bankrupt. Uh, <laughs> Calvin's the money man. So even if the court says that CSW has to pay Hoddlenot's legal fees, there's no money to give him. Um, and that's intentional. Um, so we are hoping for best case scenario and best case scenario presumably is, you know, 
um, that it stops CSW in his tracks. Maybe that's too optimistic. Uh, but I think if, if you've been watching any of the coverage so far, I, I think uh, I think this case has already been a big win for truth, and I think that will continue to be the case. Agreed. Hopefully we can finally put this saga behind us. and that It is sad. It's sad he's mentally ill. He's not a good person. And... I mean, he's he's gonna die a lonely and disgraced human. So, is that the way you want to live your life, freaks? Is that how you want to be remembered? Think about it. Next on the list, Ledger hardware wallets are now available at Best Buy stores. This is pretty cool. How did we miss this? This happened this week. It happened earlier this week. No, it happened September second. Uh, yeah, they announced it at um at Riga. Uh. This is big. I mean, I go back and forth on, you know, I, I recommend Ledger wallets to my friends who insist on shitcoining because I prefer they hold hold their shitcoin self-custody rather than on Coinbase. Um, I think if you're Bitcoin only, there's better options. But just the fact that we can finally buy Bitcoin hardware in a retail store with cash locally, this is Ledger hardware wallets are now available in every single Best Buy store in America. Um, I want to see more of this, right? I want to see, I, I mean, Ledger itself, right? They, they got compromised. What was like 270,000 mailing addresses got compromised. The fact that you don't have to go, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to give a mailing address. Even if it's a PO box, you don't have to give them a mailing address. You don't have to pay with a credit card. I mean, some people pay with credit card. You could pay with Bitcoin. I don't know if Ledger accepts Bitcoin for their hardware wallets. I know cold card does. Um, but the fact that you don't have to use a credit card and you don't have to give a mailing address and you can just walk into a store and buy it with cash. That's, that's huge. Yeah. That's like, this is a long time coming. I, I can't wait till the day I can do this with ASICs. Um, I just want to walk into a store and just buy an ASIC with cash. Yeah. Better hope that, uh, the price per tire hash stays relatively low. If it gets over $10,000 an ASIC. I have to report that to the government. Um, now, another thing, too, is this was a topic at BitDevs last night, and again, giving Ledger props or props are due. Obviously, getting their hardware in Best Buys is massive, but on top of that, they've really been um, leading the charge in, in terms of implementing the latest uh, Bitcoin tech, particularly around Taproot, into their, their wallet. And so they have uh, historically have been a bit slow to move when when Bitcoin has um, massive updates like SegWit, um, and they've been they've been moving a bit quicker in terms of implementing Taproot functionality into their wallet. So Ledger making big moves, getting into Best Buy, updating um, their code base to be compatible with the latest updates in Bitcoin. Um, yeah, so if you want to go buy a hardware wallet in cash, you can now go do that in any Best Buy in the United States. Uh, next on the list, Fidelity and Charles Schwab. You know, so- it also there's an implication there too. Uh, if you can buy if you can buy a hardware wallet in a store, uh, in a, in a local store, you could you can fly into the United States with just a seed, and then you can buy a ledger and then restore it to the ledger without traveling with the hardware. Yeah. 
We could do that with like a mobile wallet too, if you want. Yeah, you could do that with a or a desktop wallet or whatever. But it's interesting. Yeah, more options. Optionality. We're big fans of optionality here at RHR, uh, and it seems like people are getting more options to get Bitcoin exposure. Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Citadel, and other financial heavyweights launched the Bitcoin Exchange EDX Markets (EDXM). Um, so by leveraging a network of select digital custodians to safeguard assets, trades will be netted and settled on the blockchain for greater speed and efficiency at lower cost, eliminating the need for expensive bilateral settlement. Customer security and regulatory compliance are also core foundational principles of EDXM. In particular, it will remove significant conflicts of interest that affect existing cryptocurrency exchanges by separating responsibility for operating the exchange from the entities trading on it. It's not clear if users will be able to take self-custody of Bitcoin and other assets traded on the platform. And so, yeah, it seems like the incumbent asset managers and trading warehouses are, are getting into the uh, the exchange game. Yeah, I mean, it reads like a lot of marketing bullshit. I really, I don't, I, I would not, I would not be surprised if you can't take self-custody. Um, Which are probably but it is, assumed. It is still notable, but like that, that post is just like all marketing buzzwords. Are the institutions here? The institute, yeah, the institutions are here and they got rugged on Luna. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting rugged, if you're a pooling user, uh, they pretty announced- cool watching Ash disappear from pooling. Yeah. Well, did you see the, uh, We'll get to that on the back end of this conversation. But earlier this week, uh, on September 13th, it's funny, the pool, and you can tell they're Chinese, the, the Medium post that they posted, they have September 13, nerd, 1-3-R-D. <laughs> that is kind of confusing, to be fair. Like, it's third, but not 13-nerd. Yeah. Um, they announced the adjustment of products and services, uh, the number one thing being they're issuing a pool and debt token series in IOU. Um, so they're issuing IOU tokens because they become insolvent uh, due to their foray into DeFi bets and lending money out to three hour, hour, uh, arrows capital. And so they have a Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Litecoin, Zcash, Doge, um, IOU token. So it seems like they were um, playing with user funds in, in those markets, lost a bunch of those funds and are now trying to spin up uh, a Bitfinex-like IOU token. I'm at... <laughs> the only thing worse than holding Doge is holding an IOU Doge on <laughs> Uh, yeah, so but, I mean, yeah, I mean, they can't be solvent. Yeah, like, this is not a good look. <laughs> you don't issue IOUs if you're solvent. No, uh, no. Yeah, the hash, the hash, they had like 10% of the hash when they first announced the withdrawal freeze. And now, what are they down like to 4% or something? They're the eighth largest pool in the world right now with nine exahash. Um, Brains pool has jumped up to six. Um, yeah, so they have 11. The reported hash rate is 9 exahash. The estimated hash rate is 11.6 exahash, and that puts them at 5% of, of the network overall. Yeah, so it's a perfect example of the thesis that 
if a pool operator fucks around, uh, miners will be relatively quick to switch to a different pool. Yeah, and this actually brings up um, um, a good, oh my God, I just searched something on Twitter and porn came up. Did you accidentally click your bookmarks? <laughs> ha, 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 about to dump something in the chat. I mean, but this was another thing. Obviously, we mentioned the, uh, the centralization in the the Ethereum staking validators that has already materialized 31 hours into the merge. Did you to look for this, that porn came up. Martin Poole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got into this, some, some dude's getting rammed in the ass when you search Martin Poole. Don't go search your oh, freaks. <laughs> um, but yeah, this tweet came up as well. Um, right under somebody getting rammed in the ass. But uh, the, I mean, this is like, again, like we just mentioned, pool in, they've had this solvency scare, insolvency scare, and people have quickly moved their hash rate off of pool into to other pools because uh, the way Bitcoin mining pools work, you can switch your hash rate trivially within a matter of seconds if you think that a pool operator is acting in a nefarious fashion and, um one of the Ethereum core devs or somebody who's prominent in the Ethereum space, Martin Koppelman, um, he was in the tweet above this one, uh, Logan, you can see him uh, kvetching about the fact that um, the top seven validators uh, have two thirds of the, more than two thirds of the stake. And then obviously Bitcoiners were hopping on that, like, hey, we warned you about this. And then he tried to um, basically re rebut that and dunk on bitcoiners with like oh and no dear bitcoin fans it's not better in bitcoin in fact you need only four entities to come to greater than 72 percent of the network hash rate but it's completely comparing apples and oranges yeah i mean there's there's two other aspects to here first of all when we talk about uh centralized control over security um one is censorship right and so so with censorship uh with, with censorship you need the number that everyone always says is 51 percent uh but you need more than 51 percent uh to do a proper protocol censorship attack on bitcoin and why is that it's because yes you can uh not include transactions in your blocks when you mine because you know whether on the ofac list or whatever um but another mining pool can still do that and they will do that because they want to collect transaction fees now so to do an active attack what you need to do is you essentially need to orphan out any blocks that are being done by miners that are not a part of your contingent or whatever or not a part of your cabal um and that is much more difficult to do and if you are doing that, you you significantly are risking your own revenue trying to make that attack make that attack play out. Um, and and so with Ethereum, it's it, there's a whole different aspect because they have this negative punishment that they call slashing. And the idea of slashing is that if someone's attacking the network, they lose their funds. Now, I am. 
once again, very basic understanding of Ethereum proof of stake. And I look forward to just watching this all fucking just dumpster fire play out. But, and I've said this years ago, I, I had this crazy debate with David Hoffman who went on to create Bankless, which has been a super successful shitcoin show. But he originally had his, the POV crypto pod with CK where CK was the Bitcoiner and he was the Ethereum. And I went on and we were debating you know, how proof of stake would handle adversarial environment. And like this idea that like the slashing mechanism, you you take the money of someone who's attacking the network. Well, what happens if, what happens if the people attacking the network are taking the people's money that are, are, are being the good stakers? Like who decides, who decides who's, who's the malicious staker and who's the benevolent staker. And it's really the majority gets to decide that. Um, so it's a it's a completely different situation, and I I think most of them are aware of this. I mean, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, I saw some grumblings that Udi was saying something about this as well. I mean, he has me blocked, um, but Udi definitely knows better. He knows it's a bullshit comparison. Uh, Martin might not, um, but the point stands that it's a it's an absolute bullshit comparison. And uh, but we don't need to argue about it on Twitter. Uh, if proof of stake is so resilient and robust, then it'll be fine. And we'll see what happens. We shall see. But staying on this tip, Logan, put another tweet in the uh, Telegram chat. I think, I mean, Jack Dorsey um, tweeted this out, a Substack piece on the pitfalls of proof of stake by Scott M. Sull. I think Scott Sullivan is his full name, but uh, Sachin Meyer from River highlighted this particular part of that that Substack article, the world is a very different place for validators living in Ethereum land. Instead of working hard and being rewarded for adding security to the network, validators do no actual work, but must be careful that their node never misbehaves, lest they watch their savings go up in flames. If any proposed changes were made to the network, a validator's first instinct would be to comply with whatever everyone else was doing or else risk getting slashed. To be a validator is to live like every day walking on eggshells. So I think this is a great explanation of the the loose incentives of, of proof of stake. You're essentially fear mongered into going along with the crowd. Yeah, I'm 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 like ninety nine percent sure that that the staking mecha- uh, the slashing mechanism itself is an attack vector. Um and I, there's just such a massive disconnect here. I'm just, I'm so excited. Just congratulations that to all of us for just being here while this is happening. I'm just really, <laughs> I'm really excited to watch this all finally play out. And uh, you guys, everyone shouldn't read too much into my tweets recently. Like they're all just, I'm just, they're all placeholders to passively aggressive retweet when shit happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's know, nothing hard on them there's nothing better than than the uh the future passive aggressive retweet i had that was <laughs> i had one of those last night felt good um moving on we don't have any uh let me check the btc pay server no uh shout outs this week um unless somebody was <laughs> i congratulate the freaks ftbs in the comments just thanks <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the since we don't have any shout outs, we'll go straight into software updates. All be version 1.15.0 has been released, and this is a pretty big release if you're um participating uh, in the podcasting 2.0 value for value model. They've created a dashboard 
um, that allows you to track um, uh, sats as they're flowing in and boosts as they're flowing in. Um, Adam Curry was was sharing screenshots of that earlier um, this week. So shout out to the Albi team. They've been crushing it. And I have uh, the Albi extension in my browser. I've been using it. makes it a seamless experience when paying. Just uh, Albi is cool because you can use it with your own node. Um, but just be aware, and you can use it, I think, in a custodial way as well. Uh, so just yes. be aware of those options. But what I was really going to say is um, when you install... Also, I, a lot of respect for the Albi team. I think it's pretty cool what they built. Um, when you install that extension, it uh, gets permission to to read every all the contents in your browser window at all times. The extension is enabled, so just be aware. Don't DM on Twitter with the extension. You should presumably what you should do is you should have a separate browser that is just with Albi in it. And the reason they do that is a relatively good reason, which is they want to be able to know when there's like places where you can pay with lightning so you can just click it. But it does read your whole, your, the whole contents of your browser, everything you do. Like when you're looking up gay porn while you're on air, like Albie's. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Um, I wasn't looking up gay porn. Gay porn. You Albie. literally admitted to it. I mean, I was looking up an Ethereum trying to dunk dunk on us. Gay porn, like, is Ethereum gay? <laughs> is that is that what we're getting at here? Fine with it. Um, don't search Martin Pool on Twitter. Uh, LDK version zero point zero point one 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 has been released. Any big updates here? Uh, I don't know. I should go find Jeff, Jeff from Spiral. He's somewhere in here. I should ask him to come in and tell us about the latest. Shout out to the LDK, LDK team. They just keep quietly building in the background. Yeah. Not a lot of marketing bullshit. Phoenix version 1.4.23 has been released by Async. Uh, this is pretty amazing. I mean, they, have the, they fixed the compatibility issue with L&D. Uh, yeah, because L and D made a breaking change, so, so they couldn't receive payments from L and D L and D nodes. Uh, but now, now they fixed it. Yeah, this is. I mean, we're going to see the bifurcation of the Lightning implementations. Prepare for it, freaks. It's already starting to happen. Do you uh, see FTB calling you out? Who? FTB sent, said he searched Martin Pool on Twitter and the algorithm didn't show him anything. He's just saying. Oh, what the fuck does that say about me? I don't know. I mean, FTP is coming out swinging. Our resident Tesla shill over there. <laughs> Got gay porn. Demons in my closet. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, Martin Pool. Why is Twitter sending me gay porn then? This is interesting. It's based on your likes. Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, LN, moving on, LM Markets increases trade limits and moves exactly. to Noddle Cloud. Uh, uh, this is a big one. I mean, look, you should just stay humble and stack sats. Most people are going to get wreck trading. Um, but if you are going to go degen and you are going to do 100x long or short, on Bitcoin, you should do it without KYC and LN markets allows you to quickly deposit and withdraw if you somehow don't lose your money and you, you're able to withdraw. 
uh, via Lightning. So they just raised their limits uh, to 10 million sats, which right now is uh, right now is two thousand um, dollars. So that's big. But also that they moved from AWS. We want to see more projects move away from AWS, Azure, other the corporate clouds. And uh, Noddle is you know is obviously run by ride or die Bitcoiners, and they they host all their servers themselves. Um, so Noddle's interesting in that uh, it goes into the thesis, and we've talked about this a lot with CoinKite as well. It goes into the thesis that like as Bitcoiners become more successful, uh, they will build parallel products that, you know, are based in the ideals of sovereignty. Um, and in Noddle's case, that is hosting their own servers, uh, their high performance servers that other Bitcoin projects can use rather than relying on corporate clouds. We here at TFTC are Noddle customers. We're in the process of moving everything over to Noddle ourselves. Shout the out to- TFTC, your your BTC pay note is still on AWS though, right? Yeah, we're trans- transitioning it over. Fucking DJ. I'm Someone gonna- tried. I'm not, I'm not going to dox him, but he moves. He moves a lot. Good for him. He's nomadic. Um, but yeah, highly recommend Noddle. Uh, I agree. The parallel system setup is um, it's, it's something that's a trend that's only going to continue to grow from here. Uh, Red Dirt Mining. They created an open source mining profitability calculator that denominates everything in sats. Um, so if you're running a mining operation you want to dig into the profitability or the prospects of profitability for something you're thinking about building there's another tool for you that's reddirtmining.io slash calculator check that out obviously we're gonna put all these links in the show notes um and that's it for software updates we'll see if anybody bought uh, a shout out while we were doing that nope no love this week ofac releases additional guidance um, for the Tornado Cash financial sanctions. And it's pretty funny. Um, it, basically, I think the clarity that came out of this was uh, we're not really going after people who are using the smart contract, more of the people who are profiting from it, but you also... Well, I mean, I think, that, like, I think this is a classic case of... You know, a government takes a huge overstep and then they backtrack a tiny bit and they're like, look, we're listening to you. And and they're kind of preempting some of the court cases that are coming out uh, defending Tornado Cash. So like a big one is obviously code is speech and speech is protected uh, in America. Um, and we saw that same argument during the crypto wars. So they're preempting those court cases right now by saying, we're not sanctioning the code. We're sanctioning you using the smart contract. Um, so they're preempting that aspect. Uh, the second thing that they're talking about is uh, the dusting that we saw where people were just getting sent tornado cash, which by the way, as we said on the episode when it was happening, um, there's no way to prove that they got dusted by someone else or if Jimmy Fallon himself withdrew from tornado cash. There's zero way to prove it. So they actually, in this, they say, uh, technically you are breaking sanctions, but if you work with us, you know, we'll figure it out and we're not going to like prioritize fucking you over it. So right now, like, like it's like a case by case basis. And then the third thing 
is, oh, if you're in Tornado Cash already, you can withdraw legally if you, uh, if you get a license with us and get approval with us. So you have to fully KYC yourself with them. You have to provide full transaction history with them. And then they might give you permission to withdraw. And it's, it's, that's, that is very interesting because, well, first of all, you know, no one's very few people are going to do that, but the it's, it's, if you think about it, like all these things work off of anonymity set, right? So if there's a hundred users using a tornado cash pool and you see some similarities here with CoinJoin, then you're trying to break probability analysis. All of a sudden, instead of it being certain on chain that it's you transacting, you're one of a hundred, right? Now, so if you criminalize using the tool and then you tell people that they can go and dox themselves to you to withdraw from it legally, you're essentially reducing the anonymity set of everyone who doesn't do that. You're basically like, go give us all this information so that we can use process of elimination to go after other people. Nice little state trap there. And, and that's kind of what I kind of, one of my biggest concerns about, I, I, I mean, maybe I should stay humble more on this note, but like, I was like laying in bed last night or whatever. And I was like, I'm so glad they don't have, you know, someone like me who's trying to attack, attack. Stay <laughs> um, humble. Because, like, I mean, I, 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 I'm very consistent in that the protocol is very state resistant, right? But I think individual Bitcoiners are vulnerable. And what you would see is, what you, one of my biggest fears is you see essentially a criminalization of private Bitcoin usage. And then you tell users they can still use it in a relatively private way from the outside world if they fully dox themselves and hurt the anonymity set of everyone else. Um, and that's kind of in line with these clarifications. Uh, you know, get a license from us, report all your transaction history to us, um, and then you, you'll be compliant and you can just fuck over everyone else that's using the tool. Yeah. Um, state attacks are here, freaks, starting on Tornado Cash. Um, and maybe actually this is a good thing to piggyback. I don't think you put it on the list because it dropped right before we went live. Um, but the, the White House today released... Uh, a fact sheet, the first ever comprehensive framework for responsible development of digital assets. And I'll um, put that in our Telegram chat, Logan. Let's pull this up and go down uh, to the bullet points section. Um, I, I think that's part of the reason, though, why these attacks will be less successful is because the people that spend a lot of time on them fundamentally believe in the mission and will not, you know, will not collaborate the Government's black hat here. The uh, the people who are truly in this are the white hats. Uh, but yeah, like, I, someone like Voscule or someone was collaborating. Like their their attacks would be so much more effective against Bitcoiners. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Voscule never. Okay, just, we need we need the shitcoiners to work with them on their Bitcoin attacks, and then we should be good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, did you see this at all before we went live? No. What is this? Have the you white, read it at all? The White House's uh, first ever comprehensive framework for regulation of digital assets. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems pretty aggressive. Uh, the report encourages regulators like the SEC, CFTC, 
consistent with their mandates to aggressively pursue investigations and enforcement actions against unlawful practices in the digital asset space. Report in, the reports encourage uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Federal Trade Commission as appropriate to redouble their efforts to monitor consumer complaints and to enforce against unfair, deceptive, and abusive practices. Practices so far pretty reasonable. Uh, the reports encourage agencies to issue guidance and rules to address current and emergent risk in the digital asset ecosystem. Regulatory and law enforcement agencies are also urged to collaborate to address acute digital asset risk facing consumers, investors, and businesses. In addition, agencies are encouraged to share data on consumer complaints regarding digital assets, ensuring each agency's activities are maximally effective. Again, still a... Uh, uh, pretty reasonable. The Financial Literacy Education Commission will lead public awareness efforts to help consumers understand the risk involved with digital assets, identify common fraudulent practices, and learn how to promote or to report misconduct. Um, and then I think the next bullet point section is um, where if you go down to, uh, this is where it gets weird, the Advancing Responsible Innovation section. Um, the Office of Science and Technology Policy and NSF will develop a digital asset research and development agenda to kickstart fundamental research on topics such as next generation cryptography, transaction programmability, cybersecurity, and privacy protections, and ways to mitigate the environmental impacts of digital assets. So that right there, um, again, the Environmental Fund popping up. It will also continue to support research that translates technological breakthroughs into market-ready products. Additionally, NSF will back social sciences and education research that develops methods of informing, educating, and training diverse groups of stakeholders on safe and responsible digital asset use. The Treasury and financial regulators are encouraged to, as appropriate, provide innovation. Innovative U.S. firms developing new financial te technologies and regulatory guidance, best practices sharing, and also good. The Department of Energy, the Environmental Protection Agency and other agencies will consider further tracking digital assets, environmental impacts, developing performance standards as appropriate, providing local authorities with tools, resources, and expertise. And last but not least, the Department of Commerce will examine establishing a standing forum to convene federal agencies, industry, academics, and civil society to exchange knowledge and ideas that could inform federal regu regulation standards, coordinating activities, technical assistance, and research support. Okay, um, you can stop reading it. The, <laughs> but, like, I, so I mean, I just opened it and I just control F CBDC, and the conclusion on the bottom, all the way on the bottom, is just CBDC related. And they said, they said, uh, a US CBDC central bank digital cuckbuck is a digital form of the US dollar, has the potential to offer significant benefits. This whole thing is just one big one big bullshit piece to advocate for a digital surveillance token that they can debase at will. Um, it's funneling us towards that. Sorry. That's for my DLDR of something I haven't read either, but Marty read it to me and to you freaks. Yes. Well, so the CBDC is something they want. It's very interesting. You have a lot of conflict at that level of government and at the federal reserve. You had Neil Kashkari come out about a month ago saying CBDCs aren't good. We don't want to be China. How would we implement them? Something like Memo is much better. Jerome Powell has said positive things about CBDCs. Obviously, the Treasury and the White House would prefer CBDCs because they get more control. Um, there's an interesting theory that Tom Luongo 
from the the gold goats and guns podcast or goats guns and gold three g's has been putting out there is that there's a rift between the federal government and the federal reserve uh federal reserve being backed by like the goldman sachs and incumbent banking corporate interest of the world who really don't want the cbdc to come to market um, because it would completely destroy their business models and so there's like a war being waged he would um, he would put forth between the federal government and the federal reserve and their backers by over the cbdc uh, but if you listen to the episode i recorded with matthew mazinxious yesterday and the previous one we recorded last quarter he matthew seems to be completely convinced that cbdc's are dead on arrival they're not really able to be implemented and if you actually look at the central um central bank physical cash that has been distributed the amount of cash that exists in the world has actually been increasing significantly and they'd have to take well, that out first i i i look i have a ton of respect for for matt um i did a cbdc panel with him in norway um where he was one of my panelists and i was the moderator um you know i i i think a lot of his argument there comes down a little bit to semantics um you know, maybe we won't see a pure CBDC, but I, I, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that, uh, you know, a surveillance digital money uh, is in our future unless we have an alternative like Bitcoin. Um, that is where everything's going. Uh, you don't even have to do full government cash restrictions. We're already seeing businesses want to move to cash free. We're already seeing like our peers, most of most of the people in our age range and lower are not using cash voluntarily. Um, you couple that with some light cash restrictions. And next thing you know, 99% of, of an average person's day to day is happening on a, a surveillance digital money um, that is centralized and controlled. Now, if we want to call that a CBDC, maybe that's not a pure CBDC. Um, but I think that's the assumption we should operate under is, is that is the future that, that a lot of people in power want to see and are pushing towards. Um, and that's the future we should expect. And this is why tools like Bitcoin are so important because we need to have an alternative. Otherwise, every single transaction you make uh, will be tracked and, and potentially used against you. Yeah. CBDC if ever successfully implemented, will be a slave coin. It'll make you a slave to these people who are ruining the world. I mean, so we have another, we have another piece, uh, another post on here, which is uh, regulators in New York uh, pushed an international standards body to create a merchant code for gun stores so that they can better track gun purchases made with credit cards. Um, and, and this is this is a perfect example here of, you know, maybe not a pure CBDC uh, that requires no government regulation to make this happen. Just some pressure in the right points, particularly financial pressure with pensions and investments into Amex and Visa and all these corporations where they're ratcheting up surveillance capabilities for you buying something that is deemed uh, deemed you know, not popular by the governing class. 
Um, and it's important to realize that obviously credit cards are already surveillance cards, uh, but that's not enough for them. They, they need it to be even better for surveillance than it currently exists. And they're making more gun list, more gun owner list. That's what I wrote about this on Monday in the bent. And this is why Bitcoin is extremely important and preface the bent with, yes, if we're objective observers of the state of Bitcoin right now, its privacy assurances are subpar. However, if you can imagine a future in which gun merchants or any type of merchant is using a BTC pay server that they control with a node that they control and users are coming in and using wallets that they control like Samurai or Blue Wallet, whatever it may be, and they're spending their Bitcoin to purchase these these goods in a peer-to-peer fashion, it is literally impossible for like a payment network to force... Well speaking absolutes. Okay, it's very extremely hard to implement this type of... Uh, tagging within the Bitcoin system. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're critical of, of Bitcoin's privacy guarantees as, as is right now. And, and the ability to use Bitcoin privately could be significantly easier. Uh, we say that all the time, but it's always important to come back and remember that it's impossible. You, you cannot use a credit card. Hey, privately. no absolutes. I know I cut myself off. You, it is it is the way the digital traditional digital financial system is set up. You can't use Venmo in a private way. You cannot use credit cards in a private way. You cannot use PayPal in a private way. You cannot use bank transfers in a private way. Um, but with Bitcoin, you have that option. You have that ability. And we have tools that enable us to use it privately. And that's a massive, massive step up. And and hopefully we see those tools improve over time and we have seen them improve over the last two three years there's been massive improvement in terms of using bitcoin more privately using your own node using collaborative transactions um using lightning without shooting yourself in the foot and understanding the nuances of using it privately uh there have been significant improvements in that regard yeah i'm really excited to see the research particularly like using lightning privately that um paul and evan are working on on the blinded paths um, I saw that they've been trying to visualize that that solution. So yeah, I mean, blinded paths would be a massive improvement. Yeah, um, want to I want to put a pin in the White House's announcement today and just highlight the insanity of these people. Like the the, the government thinks that they are the only arbiter of truth, and they need to create the educational framework from which you can approach Bitcoin. Again, I read it out loud, but to to read it again, additionally, NSF will back social sciences and education research that develops methods of informing, educating, and training diverse groups of stakeholders on safe and responsible digital digital asset use. Like the government thinks, like what we're doing right now, we're doing this. We don't need the government to set up a framework from which we can educate people about using these things the proper way. I mean, Matt just went on a, a great uh, rant explaining how to use Bitcoin in the most private way possible right now. And the government has the gall to think that they have the expertise and the facilities and the ability to to create a proper educational framework that then they'll feed to you. Like, well, this, is, this is the insanity of our fucking government. They think that they are the arbiters of information and have the the best tools to educate people about this stuff to play devil's advocate to a degree i mean i agree like i you know like people I'm, are doing this already like fuck you 
my you know my my feeling about regulators and regulation is is strictly that they're a massive net negative and uh they can kindly go fuck themselves um but in this case this is there there is also the the thing that we should keep in mind is is we live in a, a world of, of many many shit coins um and it does you know the fact the fact of the matter is is the government isn't purely focused on bitcoin which is i very good for us uh as bitcoiners um but like a perfect example would be something i think like usdc uh most users of of circle and coinbases and goldman's and blackrocks uh so-called stablecoin do not understand the risks when they use that or yield try and get quote unquote yield with that or whatever um so I think like that section is probably mostly focused on all the people that got rug pulled by shit coins over this last market cycle. Um, but yeah, but they're yeah, going to agree with you. We, we, we talk about the risks of that every week for the last four years. Yeah. Without... But the government mandated education is going to be like, don't use Bitcoin. It's bad for the environment. I know. I know. I'm not, I, like I said, they can kindly go fuck themselves. I'm just, I think part of that is just the smoke screen that, that you know the the shitcoin industry provides for bitcoin is that there's just so many so many different things that are going on that are just distracting everybody else while we just stay humble and stack sats yeah um bit of a tangent here we had we had it seems that we had a little kerfuffle in the uh the live chat we had logan kick out a hexagon no i kicked him out oh you did yeah what was he? What was he? I while, thought... while we were chatting, I signed into YouTube, and removed him from the chat. He's I, he said some. He was he was pumping hex, and I, I it pissed me off, so I just removed him from the chat. He can never post again in the chat. Um, we're discriminatory against hexagons here. I, uh, I mean, I have a strict no blocking rule on Twitter, but don't come into my sacred live chat with that bullshit um the yeah like i had richard hart was like fucking reply guying me and it took like all my self-control not to block him because <laughs> i know like once once you block the first person it's just like a massive slippery slope then i'm just gonna go crazy with it hey, come come, um, come to the block side it's an, it's the, an incredible cleansing mechanism what was i gonna say though i was gonna say something else about education Hexagons. Oh, I, I was taking an Uber ride the other day and um, there's this older gentleman that was, was driving me and he was awesome. Uh, and Bitcoin came up and he was like, yeah, I have Bitcoin. Um, and then he started listening. He's like, I also have some ETH. I have Shiba Inu. Like the guy's like in his sixties and he has like, he doesn't know what he's like, what he's purchasing. Um, so like, there's like, there, 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 there are people that, that are just getting rugged left and right by all these fucking bullshit. By Coinbase. Um, and like, yeah, I, it's, 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 there's definitely, I mean, I, I think we sympathize with that the most, right? But yeah, the answer is definitely not government regulation or government mandated education materials. Do not trust them. The government's also trying to tell you that um, 
a tomato sauce on a pizza is a vegetable. So <laughs> imagine what they're going to try and tell you about Bitcoin. Yeah, you want you want government mandated education? Go look at the food pyramid. <laughs> uh, this is really cool. Uh, on the ungovernable misfits website, shout out to Max and crew building that out. We have another do it yourself crate quietly. How's your miner? The Uper crate. Um, and this was I can't find the author. So this is cool because um, so it's based off the open source specs uh, that Barber and the upstream crew put out for the black box. Um, and I think uh, the model they're using is 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 really cool in that if if you you cannot use their you cannot sell a for profit product based off the black box specs. Uh, but if you want to build it yourself, you're welcome to build it yourself. And I think we'll see more um more projects go this route so they can monetize but at the same time anyone can build it themselves and this guy just basically goes through basically you know the the lowest lift most accessible cheapest way to basically build your own black box and if you don't want to do that you can go to upstream data and and buy buy one from them it's a great piece of use a code for you five percent off yeah, I think um, I do. We call a box hardware, but uh, we have two at Bitcoin Park, and they're just fucking awesome. Um, yeah. So if you, we're gonna link to this in the show notes. If any of you freaks out there looking for a nice weekend, do it yourself. Um, so the key to this is it. It and the key to the black box is that it cuts the noise. It cuts the, like these ASICs. These modern ASICs make they're, they're very, very loud. loud. Very loud. We cannot we cannot overstate how loud they are. Have you ever been in a container with like a hundred A6 at once? No, but I've I've been in one with ten and it was overwhelming. Yeah. Um and I've been I've been in close quarters of uh even just like one or two, and it's like it makes the most annoying fucking sound too. It's not just it'll drive you fucking crazy. Yeah. So the key is here is it cuts the noise tremendously. Um, and the big thing that the upstream guys always talk about is like the goal is to get it basically below where the air conditioners, uh, those, those big AC units you see outside of houses and buildings, get it below the sound, sound level of those because everyone already has those outside. Yeah. And it looks like, uh, this Uper do it yourself. You got it down to, uh, 51.5 decibels. Which is pretty good. The max decibel rating of seventy six point three. Um, or wait, what am I looking at? I don't know what I'm looking at here. Maybe you got it down to seventy point six decibels. I got to read through it. Um, but yeah, there is nothing. There is no when you first start up a miner. What's miners specifically? Like when you first connect it to the uh, what's minor API and then connect it to a pool when you boot it up. It takes like a few seconds and then you just hear and then it hums down. It's a magical experience. Um, update on the former Coinbase employee who got yanked at the border trying to escape to India after getting caught insider trading. His brother um, pleads, pled guilty. To, uh, to insider trading as well. You're saying this is the first insider trading case in the cryptocurrency industry. 
And that is complete bullshit. If well, it's definitely not the first time there's been insider trading. Well, it's definitely uh, not the first time there's been insider trading at Coinbase either. I mean, the whole Bcash yeah, launch. Yeah, I mean, the Bcash launch was fucking very manipulated. Yeah, this is something. The, re- the main reason I put this in here is because it's been something we've been speculating on for a long time, uh, particularly with Coinbase, uh, that they that they that they don't have good controls set up for when they're about to launch a shitcoin. And uh, their employees are able to trade the news ahead of time and then dump it as soon as as soon as it hits Coinbase. Um, so that's why I put it in. I will say on a more philosophical note, uh, in truly free markets, I don't think there is anything such as insider trading um, because it just everything immediately gets priced in as soon as, as you're knowledge. Fi- you're an efficient market hypothesis guy. In a truly free market. We yeah. just have never, the closest thing we've ever had to truly free market is Bitcoin. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but we will be there eventually. Well, another thing this highlights is just a two-tier justice system that exists here in the United States, particularly, where these guys are getting yanked um, for insider trading at Coinbase. Yet we let our congressmen and senators insider train with impunity. Um, yeah, I mean, have you seen their, like, their trading performance, like, they they on aggregate, they outperform the S and P five hundred significantly. They're like a hundred X, it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. And now they're trying to backtrack, like, well, like Nancy Pelosi is putting forth a bill, like we we're not allowed to trade anymore. Another good example of Coinbase, yeah, at the top, it's like the the Fed. They're like, oh, we we're not going to hold equities, we're not going to hold stocks because we don't want to be biased. And then they just fucking crash the market with their policies as soon as they all sell their stocks at the top with an excuse. Yeah, um, there's just corruption all the way down. But an, another example of insider trading at Coinbase was was when uh, Charlie Lee joined Coinbase. <laughs> guys, they, Litecoin uh, was the second coin. Pumped they added. The shit out of Litecoin, got Litecoin added after ETH as as the third the third coin supported on on Coinbase, and then dumped the top, and then left Coinbase. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking. To insider trade Litecoin, you don't really even need to insider trade. You just need to put on notifications for Charlie Lee's tweets because he usually marks the bottom and the top of the Litecoin markets. That's all we got on the list this week. No shout outs. What about Boostergrams? I'll get the Boostergrams. That's what I'm doing. Anything you want to riff on while I'm pulling these up? Nah, not really. It's been a long week. All right. Top four boostergrams from Rabbit Hole Recap Rip 217. The Queen is dead and the Biden administration hates mining. Um, from our boy, Jason Rich. 69696 six, sats. 69,696 sats. We'll miss you freaks at the White Oak Pastures. Eat beef, ride or die Bitcoin. Stay humble, stack sats, know your rancher. Keep your powder dry and your head on a swivel. Marine for life, beef initiative. Oh, that's that's starting tomorrow. So if you're in the area of Bluffton, Georgia. Um, get your ass down there. Yeah, you can still make it. If you go to beefinitiative.com, buy a ticket. It's going to be a really, really good event. Yeah, and if you, you can go to buginitiative.com too if you want to. Yeah, we support uh, initiative here at, at Rabbit Hole Recap. Week in, week out, ride or die, booster. At Pitar boosted us 55,555 sats. Stratum V2, Stratum V2, Stratum V2. It would Stratum be v2. 
It would be cool to add if there was a way I could add an additional transaction fee to a miner using a Stratum V2 pool. Wouldn't you just RBF? Wouldn't you just RBF? I don't get that, Batar. Oh, no. He, want, he wants the ability to reserve that fee only if you mine with the Stratum V2 pool. Uh, uh. I mean, what, what you could do is you could, instead of broadcasting your transaction publicly, you could broadcast it directly to the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at Eric 99 ERIK, 50,000 sats, stack sats, and stay humble. Great advice. Mix that one up, but we'll, we'll take it. And at letter 6173, L-E-T-T-E-R 6173. This is a great day for Bitcoin and therefore the world. How much was that for? 7,777 sats. Big drop up. So we're in all above 50,000 sats. The fourth one was below. Fourth one was well below. Um, well, we'll get there. Yeah. So if you guys are contributing via value for value, boosting us, we appreciate, we appreciate it. it. If you're getting value out of the show and want to send it back, boosting, boosting the show is a great way to do that. Shout outs are a great way to do that too. None this week. No hard feelings. I didn't have to say anything stupid so i'm happy about that let's wrap this uh, up yeah let's wrap this i mean i love you marty thank you logan for helping us out uh, since cars out of the studio and uh love you freaks they almost stack sets peace and love the key